So welcome back to episode three of the It's Take Two podcasts with your hosts, me, Rob Worsey. I'm a, what, what would you say? Six foot, six foot one, <laughs> brunette. Tall, dark and handsome. <laughs> Jordan, for those that are new, yeah. or those that have just forgotten since episode two, yeah. what's this podcast about? We work together as a director and DP duo on any films that you've directed. Um, yeah. I've been freelance for a few years now, and we just feel like, even in the short space of time that we've been doing this, we've learned a lot, haven't we? Whether it's from the film production side of things, from the freelancing side of things, and we want to pass on that knowledge to anyone else who's thinking of going freelance or who aspires to work on films, just so then we can help prepare those guys and girls for when they decide to make that move as well. Have you watched anything recently that you've really enjoyed? Quite into mine at first sight. That'll probably lose, oh, us some, yeah. <laughs> lose us some listeners. You can hear the doors closing. <laughs> yeah, that's a few people quit. People logging off. I'm doing both House of the Dragon and Rings of Power, so that's interesting. Right. Because there's a bit of a rival. You haven't watched either of them, no. so this is going to go I'm far. Asked. Do you think they've released them at the similar times to try and win You know, win one over on the other? Yeah, I, th- I think because it, it's a Game of Thrones prequel, like a spin-off is House of the Dragon, and mm. I think that was the sleeper one because a lot of people were unhappy with how Game of Thrones ended and so kind of people weren't interested. Yeah. And everyone knew Amazon were making Lord of the Rings and they've spent, I'm sure the budget's like a billion pound or something like that. It's like, like the that. biggest budget per episode, isn't it? Yeah, it's been mad. And so I think... Can you tell? Or... Some parts of it is great. I'm enjoying it. I am enjoying it, but... You've been careful what you're saying in case you don't get asked to do season two, are yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. What did they ask me back for season two, yeah. So it's not like there's a billion pound on screen, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's no. just, I think it's... It's cost that in the run-up to it, I'm guessing, because... Well, you also know. soon realise that if you've got a crew of 100 people who are on anything between £300 a day and a grand a day, you've raked up a lot of budget there. Yeah. And with things like that, where there'll be a lot of VFX and rotoscope and things like that that can take a while in post, just the crew alone, never mind cast or locations or props or anything. I recently watched, or I am in the middle of watching, and I recommend it, it's on Disney Plus and it's Epic Adventures with Bertie Gregory. Right. And it's a filmmaker who's going out, basically wildlife filmmaker, and he's going to all these different parts of the world and different types of filmmaking. And he's showing us how he makes those. Oh, that's awesome. So it's not just Blue Planet. It's him talking about how he's getting the shots, what they're doing. And really honestly, cool. I'd massively recommend it because I was watching it. Go- I can remember the first time I realised that I wanted to work in like filmmaking was, I think it was Blue Planet, you know, the original one. Yeah. And they had a 10 minute section at the end and it oh, showed you how they yeah. filmed it. I wanted to film polar bears from that. And that's what my mum will tell you as well. Um, and ever since then. So that, when I saw that, I was like, oh, it's one of those shows because she's just looking at the lenses. You're looking at, you're even looking at like, the tripod edge. You're going, it's just interesting to see what they're shooting on there, isn't yeah, it? I think, God, know? yeah. 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 So give that a watch. Yeah. It's five episodes, about 45 minutes each. When was the moment you realised you wanted to work with a camera? I remember when I was a kid, if we didn't sit down as a family and watch a film every night, I was like, oh, the night's wasted. At one point I wanted to be an actor. Right. And then kind of realised... I enjoyed making up stories more and kind of imagining things like that more. And I used to write like little books as a kid, which were obviously terrible, but yeah. it's kind of the same same yeah. idea. I can remember as a kid, whenever I used to cook in the kitchen, I used to pretend I had my own cookery show. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to like tell people how to make a tuna sandwich. 
Have you been to my mum's house? No, I don't think so. So you've got your counter, then you've got like your second row of kitchen cabinets, right. and there was a gap in the middle. Yeah. So I'd be like, so what you do? <laughs> like imagine there's a whole camera crew going. Oh my God. And like, I used to imagine I had my own cookery show. <laughs> That's a bit tragic, isn't it? I know, yeah. So I think part of me is always like liked cookery behind this yeah like I love love cooking like I've liked the idea of being in a on a set or you know imagine something's being filmed or you know things like that so last week yes for we were chatting about was it episode two or episode episode two I was asking about sponsors Mm -hmm. and obviously at that point we we didn't have any sponsors at that point we were just starting out yeah but episode three Sponsors. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell them? Yeah, um, I think there, there must have been a typo on the email Still address. Or something. Nah, yeah. we've not received any. No I'll check the email address. Yeah. Um, oh, right, okay. And I think there's a glitch with YouTube as well because it's just saying forty views, whereas I think it's missing the final three digits. Yeah. This is nothing. Still no one. No. So um, Cause shout got, out. Yeah, I suppose shout out instead then. <laughs> yeah, we've made a new friend recently, haven't we? <laughs> well, say hello to. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> Absolute nutter. <laughs> so we've got a new crew member recently. Yes, got a new addition to the family. But in our camera department, we've got a new AC slash C cam operator, B cam operator. Yeah, she's been doing a bit of everything in the camera department and lighting department. Yeah. So it's Beth, our new AC and. Camera up. Yeah. This was the first project that she's worked on, wasn't it? With us, yeah. With, 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 <laughs> with Relic, us, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think she's just took the opportunity by storm, hasn't she? And she's... Yeah. And so she joined us as kind of second AC and she's been doing everything. She's kind of invaluable now. And we've been chatting to her and we're going to get her on as a guest to chat about kind of starting out mm. and also being a female in the, in the camera team. Uh, our makeup artist, her daughter apparently heard that Beth was in our camera team and she was surprised. She was like, I didn't know you could be a woman in the camera team and that's bonkers. And so yeah. we're going to get Beth on to chat about that and also her experience working with us. To big us up, basically. Yeah, to yeah. make us sound good. It'll be interesting to see how different it is because we've, we've been doing this for six years, you know, and like my first time on set with you, that was nerve-wracking and yeah. it'd be nice to hear someone else's, you know, version of events of how she's gotten into a crew, how she's, you know, she took that chance. She, you know, she was given the chance and she's smashed it, to yeah. be fair. Yeah, just hear what she has to say about us. <laughs> yeah. So. Cheers, Beth. What are we doing? Cheers. Oh. With or without coasters. <laughs> Do it with that. So how long have you been freelance for now? I think it's two years as of next month. Um, That's and, gone fast, hasn't it? That's gone really fast. Yeah, it, it has. And, there's been a lot of investment gone into it. Um, and I think it's important to stress that, you know, we all we all go freelance because, you know, the idea of going freelance is instead of working five days a week, you can maybe work three or four and have more time to yourself. Realistically, I'm thinking that first bit of the first year, especially, you're not going to work three or four days a week because you want to, that's your perfect chance to really get on board and get your name known in terms of who you are and what you do. When I first realised I'm going freelance, I had I was trying to launch going freelance as a camera operator. I was still doing wedding videography. I'd also just started out the YouTube channel 
then I was on Fiverr with my mate making spreadsheets because we were a bit nerdy. But like, I was in then trying to make stock content. Uh, there were other things of passive income that I was trying to get because I'm thinking, well, if I'm doing six things, three might work out, and then therefore I'll be making enough. I think there's a I think there's a lot of truth in that though in being able to diversify your income so that you're a bit safer. I think of course, yeah. six things spread across that kind of range is. Like it did, you know, you're not doing all six things now. Uh, no, because I realized it's physically impossible. Yeah. Um, but I think diversifying it to some extent is a good idea. Diversifying, yes. And like transferable skills. Yeah. Yes. But there was a few things on that list that I was like, they were too, too far apart, but I was trying to be very good in all six of them or seven or however many there was. So I was buying more equipment for, to cater for all of that. But then luckily a lot of them did work out in the end and I've, should have you know i've got rid of a few now because i'm thinking well i don't need to do this this and this so out of those six things which are you still doing now so i'm still doing freelance yeah that's your main that's primary yeah. and will always will be this is a new one yeah do you know what i mean like so out of these seven things <laughs> yeah i have like the podcast is one that we've wanted to for ages but that's not an income thing no that's not an income thing but that's something that i want to do as a passion because yeah. i enjoy it i was realizing that I was doing my freelancing, which was easy taking up four days a week. Then I'd be doing the weddings, which filming would be one day. Then I've got to try try and find time to edit those weddings. Then I need to do all the admin side of both freelancing and weddings. My week's already full there. Then I try and squeeze in a YouTube, filming a YouTube video, depending on what sort, can take a whole, a whole day, including the piece of the camera, your B-roll, all that stuff, product work, anything like that. Then you've got to edit that. Then you've got to, you want to keep on top of stock, when I, you know, I started with short stock and things like that, you don't find that that kind of that soon went because I was like, there's no no way. Then I need a life, mm. and I realised I wasn't having one. And in my head, I was like, well, I'm just going to use this time. I'm going to have a period of time where I just put everything into my career, which is good to an extent, but don't completely ignore your your own work life balance and your own things that you want to do in your own time because then you're too tired to do anything in your own time. Yeah, because that, that's a tricky one, especially when you're starting out. You just think, I'll take all the money I can get yeah. because you need to build up that buffer. You need to invest. And so, yeah, you definitely, definitely like kind of overworked at points. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And that's why I've not done any of the passion projects with the films. Yeah. Because I literally, I don't know, I can't find an hour because then if I did have an hour, I'm fucked. I'm tired and mm-hmm. I'm like... Or there's always a bad, especially with, and I don't want to, I don't want to downplay weddings at all because I've loved doing them and all that. With weddings, you've always got the backlog because you've always got the edits after the day of the wedding. So then whenever I've got free time for the last however many years I've been doing them, whenever I've got a few hours free, even in an evening after a full day of work, it might, I go, if I get a bit through a bit of a wedding, that'll help me, that'll ease my mind a bit and I can think, right, well, I've got a bit more done. It doesn't because you've always got more. Unless you clear that to-do list, then you can fully relax. Even just doing three hours when you've got 50 hours remaining on backlog of stuff, it doesn't help at all. And you think the, it will, but yeah, it doesn't. That's the thing with weddings, isn't it? You're shooting a lot in a short period of time. There's, there's a wedding season. Yeah. So you're shooting loads and then you are backlogged for weeks and weeks yeah. and weeks. So someone starting out like me, yeah. what advice would you give to make sure I don't overwork myself and neglect the kind of the fun or... Non the reward of freelancing. Of life. Yeah, exactly. Prioritize what you want to do 
work out what you should be doing as well. Because like I say, if you've got if you've already got equipment stored away, maximize what you've spent on that kit. Get your return on investment on that kit. As long as that's what you enjoy. There's a there's a balance, isn't it? Because it's not always the best job day in the world. You're gonna have stuff just to pay the bills if you're having a quiet month or anything like that. Yeah. It's sticking to that plan as well. Because you can easily say yes to a job that comes in because pound signs or dollar signs for the international audiences. You just think, oh if I can squeeze that in then I'll be able to get that lens that I've wanted for ages or, you know, things like that. When in reality, that can wait till next month. Say they're going to invest five grand over the next two years. What's what's their priority order? What sort of thing do they need? And what, you know, what bits of kit would you be looking at at the moment? If you were starting out now... Is this under the assumption that you've got an empty office yeah, and let's you've say got zero kit? Yeah, let's say you've got nothing. Which obviously most people won't be in it's like that situation. No, or something probably. Yeah. But well, starting off, what camera? Mirrorless with some form of XLR adapter. So you know, Sony have their XLR adapters. Panasonic have their own. I'm sure a lot of other companies do. Yeah. You know, keep it compact. Rather, I, I when I first started, I got the Zoom H6, and it's because where I used to work had a Zoom H6. So I was just copying what my previous employer had. When in reality, it wasn't that practical. If because there's solutions to it where you can get it in camera. So I'd say a camera with an audio adapter into input, you know, anything like that. You know, you can't just follow the herd of seeing a YouTuber and saying, get this camera. It works for them. And they've probably been paid to say, get this camera. And I think it depends how much you want to be on a gimbal as well. You spend a lot of your time on a gimbal, don't you, when you're doing events? Commercial stuff, yeah. It's quick to shoot. You can easily get movement shots. It's just, it speeds you up so much. So there's a gimbal on your list? It depends what you're shooting, doesn't it? You know, if you're going in to do shorts and narrative stuff, how often do we use a gimbal on our films? Rarely. Yeah, true. Used it once across two features? I'd have it on my list. Would you? If I had five grand, yeah. I can remember when I first got my the original Ronin S. Yeah. And I was like, obviously, you know, any new bit of kit, you go, oh, look at this. But you've basically got a slider, a track, mm. a jib. All yeah. in one. But then do you have to kind of cater your kit to facilitate that? I think if you go mirrorless, then you can. You don't have to spend a fortune on yeah. top-end gimbals. Uh, obviously, a tripod. How much would you spend on a tripod? Because we both just got the Sacklers, haven't we? Which are big investments. Expensive, yeah. But that's because we've worked, you know, over the years to yeah. know that that will... I, I wouldn't get a Sackler no. if I was starting. I'd be looking at... There's a few good, like, kind of budget-friendly Manfrotto's, Ben Rose. I mean, just anything in... I, th- I think you've got to spend four or five hundred quid. It's the head, yeah, isn't it? it's the fluid head you need. It's all about how how it looks once you've shot with it, I think. Yeah. You know, how, how smooth does your footage look? It doesn't matter if it takes an extra 30 seconds setting it up or anything like that. If your footage looks good from it, then I think that's what you should be looking at Yeah, at that point. Lenses. Obviously, this is a grey area because it is dependent on which camera you buy, you know, and therefore which lenses are available. I mean, it's hard, isn't it? Because it totally depends on what you're shooting. I would say a zoom lens, something like a, a kit lens, 24-105 if you go full frame, mm. or like a 12-40 to 40 if you're MFT, and then a prime lens. Personally, I would go for a full frame 50mm equivalent. Yeah. So if you're on full frame... 50 mil, that's the most versatile, I would say. Yeah. If you're on MFT, get a 25 mil. 
we, there's tons of YouTube. You've done a YouTube video on crop factor. I have you? done, yeah. yeah. We could tag that below. <laughs> so I'd get I'd get a zoom lens and then a prime lens. Sound wise, shotgun mic, like the Rode Video Mic Pros are great. You can put it straight on the camera or you can put it on a boom pole and just get an extension lead. Yeah. Let's assume that with a camera, tripod, gimbal and one or two lenses, we've spent three and a half grand. Yeah. So you've got fifteen hundred quid left. What would you get? Lighting. Just probably spend the rest on lighting. Lighting makes a massive difference, especially interviews and things like that. Mm. Having to work around kind of using windows and natural light and stuff like that is going to be so tricky, but having a reasonably bright light and some big softbox or scrims, it's going to make it look so much better straight away. Lighting-wise, what would you go for? Um, again, it goes down to what you're shooting. Yeah. If you're on the move constantly, I wouldn't go for the budget lineups of lights that you get. Yeah. I think we're both in agreement that COB lights are the most versatile. Yeah. But it's, it's completely dependent on what you've got in that part of five grand left, haven't you? I think this, as well, this kind of ties into another topic of investing money. Do you go for the cheap stuff, which might last a little bit of time, or do you spend more and get something of a better build quality? I've been using a little light for corporate jobs, like a, a little 60-watt LED tiny thing. It was about 200 quid, and the light off it is great. And it's got a balance amount so you can kind of put attachments on. But it was the cheaper version of that sort of light. And so mm. build quality is not there. So the screen cracked. I've super glued that. The battery battery attachment came into. I've super glued that. And now the balance amount, one of the things on the front is cracked. And I've super glued that. I think this is when, for anyone who heard us say, right, you've got five grand to spend. What do you spend it on? Some people mind, depending on who's listening to this or watching this, which we need to plug that you can either watch it on YouTube or listen to it on various platforms. It sounds like a lot when in reality with the kit that you realistically need to be a fully fledged filmmaker who can accommodate for quite various types of shooting, five grand's not that much. Because say at that point, we've got three and a half grand spent on camera, lenses, tripod and a gimbal. You need batteries. You need cards. If you're watching these videos online of people shooting in 4K 120 and that you can shoot in all intra, you need expensive cards. You could easily spend that remaining 1,500 quid on cards alone. You then need other grip. You need light stands for those lights. You need an ND filter if it's not got an internal ND. There's that, so much stuff. Charges. Yeah. Charges can be a lot of money. I think when you're starting out, it's easy to think, I just need a camera and a lens. And for a lot of jobs, you could get away with that. Yeah. And when we're starting out, you know, I started out on a 70D with a, a, a kit lens and a 50mm 1.8, the nifty 50, and a tripod. Yeah. And that was it. And, I, you know, it worked for what you're starting out. But it's one of those things where the more you invest, the more you realise you need of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, with UV filters, ND filters, and stuff like that. You don't kind of factor that in at the start. No. So it soon creeps up on you, that money. Yeah. Which, there's no way around it, really. It's an expensive thing to be in. It's getting cheaper all the time. It's hard, isn't it? And when you're starting out and investing, is knowing, do you actually need that? Mm -hmm. When you see famous YouTubers giving tours of their office and they've got cabinets full of lenses and aperture light bags, they've got six in a row, people think, God, is that what I need to be successful I'm on my own here I don't know if I can I can't afford all that you, you know you start going on CVP or Wex and you've seen the price you go Christ that's like my a year's salary just mm. you know don't look at those people and go that's what you need to have in order to be as successful as them 
quite a bit of their kit might have been given for free as a disclaimer but you have to work your way gradually to get to where you want to be and it's it's a sprint it's a marathon it's a sprint not a race it's a it's a marathon not a race isn't it i think a lot of it is knowing what you're going to be shooting as well because if you if you're going to be out shooting broadcast and eng and news stuff then you need something that's going to suit that you can't rock up with mm. a little mirrorless you're going to need sdi out and genlock and things like that which could be a five-year-old camera rather than going for the newest model yeah so if you've not listened to episode one then that's what we talk about in that brief doesn't it and it links back to that so here's a question for you if there was one film that's already out there that if you had directed or dp'd it you know you could retire happy that was kind of your achievement in your career Mm -hmm. what would the film be for me i've always had one film that every time i watch it i'm not bored i never switch off here we go it was uh, my second year student film. <laughs> um, Is that the one you won a cinematography award? Well, you know, I don't like to brag. For me, Skyfall. Really? Yeah. What if you if you could have directed if it I would, or DP'd DP. it? Yeah. DP or just being a member of the crew on the set. Skyfall, yeah. Because I don't, I don't personally, I've not watched every Bond film. I've not, you know, I'm, I will do eventually. But for me, that just, I'm, I watch that as just as a film, visually. There's a massive variety of types of shooting in there. You know, you've got your shooting in London. You've got the the scene when he goes, you know, he arrives on the boat into the casino. Where it's like visually, you know, stunning. You've got shooting at night with the house at the end. You've Mm. got, you know, you've even got like, you know, old, you know, typical Bond love scenes. You've got every type of like shooting style in one film. But then obviously... DP'd by Deacons, who we both love, who yeah. will be a guest on episode 496 of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, once um, we're successful. Yeah, but for me, like whether it was DP in it, then I'd have I'd have peaked. You know, I'd have signed off there and then. But even just working on the crew, I would have loved to have been on that. I mean, it, look, it is incredible, and like you say, the range in there is amazing. Yeah. What about you? Probably for me, a ghost story by David Lowry. I don't think I've watched yeah, that. I haven't seen it, have you? No. No. It's so good because it's such a simple film. It's basically an indie film. It's got kind of time-bending themes to it, mm-hmm. shot really nicely, and it was done on a budget of 50 grand. Right. And I just think if if I could do that, that you know, if I could have made that film, I'd, I'd be kind of like, yeah, I'm sorted. So we'd be interested to hear what other people's are. So, you know, for any listeners... What would be your film that you'd be, you could retire happy if you had if you had made? Yeah. As always, guys, thanks for listening on whatever you're listening or watching it on. We appreciate your support. Any messages that you send, it'll just help us realize yeah. that we are doing something right and we're not just talking not a crap for an hour. Cheers for listening again. Yeah, um, it's been good. I'm not sure about this one. But I'm, I'm never sure about it. I would just say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll work my editing magic. Hopefully we'll turn it into something decent. Yeah.